0: Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on The Ringer Podcast Network, brought to you as always by our presenting sponsor, ZipRecruiter. You know what's not smart? Heading into the baseball playoffs without an eighth inning guy that anyone in your fan base trusts. You know what else isn't smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. Luckily, there's a smart way at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. They find the right people with the right skills for your job. Actively invite them to apply. You get qualified candidates fast. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest and savviest way to hire. We are also brought to you by our old friends, our old buddies at Hotel Tonight. They show you top-rated hotels with unsold rooms that make it easy to book your stay at an amazing rate. You can book in advance, perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool, and more. To start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to HotelsTonight.com or download the app right now. I hope you're following us on Twitter and on YouTube and on Facebook. We've been putting up videos. I won the Ryder Cup. I protected it for... For America against British Roger Sherman. That video is up. You can see nephew Kyle catting for us in the background. Kevin Clark's worst picks ever. Worst picks of the year. Worst picks of the world. We keep changing the title, but he makes terrible picks every week on the NFL and more. And then uh, Professor Roger does master sports. I think we're doing that one every week, too. He gives us a little lesson on on, uh, college football and pro football. Usually behavior of fans or players or culture or whatever. We're cranking out more and more videos. Everything is leading up to NBA preview Palooza, which I think is going to be October 15th, the day the season starts. We have been um, filming and creating a whole bunch of stuff for that day. It's going to be the biggest video day we've ever had. I am in a couple of the videos. We have some great ideas and that is happening too. So if you're not subscribing to us on YouTube, you're not following us on Twitter. I don't know what to tell you. That's what you should be doing. Don't forget about the Ringer Podcast Network as well, where Ryan Rossolo's new show, Dual Threat. Hey, he had Joe Buck on this week talking about all things football. And Larry Wilmore had a new podcast this week. We have a new rewatchables that we are taping today, and then that is going to run, I think, on Tuesday. Let's just say we were dazed and a little bit confused for this one. Uh, So that's happening. And then coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the Jimmy Butler trade saga with Kevin O'Connor and then my old friend John Bananas from Real World Challenge fame. He's here as well. First, Pro Jam. <music> All right, Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Blow It Up. <laughs> You're Chris Vernon also. Yeah, turning to Chris Vernon. You can hear him on the Ringer NBA show. You can meet him on the ringer.com. You can see him on NBA Preview Palooza. That's coming up on October 15th. Right. I was ready to do the emergency trade podcast for Jimmy Butler. I've been on call the last 48 mm-hmm. hours. I've been on call mentally. I told nephew Kyle, like, don't booze as much as you usually do
1: from four <laughs> o'clock on. Like, try to try to stay cool. I, I was sweating last night at the concert I went to. I was thinking, oh, you know, what I happens? Mean, I might have to bounce right. I went to my daughter's volley,
0: volleyball game yesterday. I'm like, do I drive all the way over there? And then he gets traded. <laughs> I have to drive all the way yeah. back. Uh, unfortunately, he's not getting traded, and it's just kind mm. of in limbo. And this was a fun one because we didn't expect to have uh, trade talk. In mid-September, usually people are set with their teams. I think the last time this happened was James Harden, which happened like basically right before the season in 2012. So I think we're hearing the same things about why this hasn't happened. And there's some fascinating dynamics in here. And as usual, the people that get screwed are the fans. Because you have Tom Thibodeau, who I like, who I just don't think has done a great job so far, but realizing he sees the end of the road. This is probably his last season mm-hmm. as coach slash GM. He doesn't want to trade Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler helps him do better and possibly save his job. And we see this over and over again. It's the save my job style of thinking. So he doesn't want to trade Jimmy Butler unless it's an incredible deal. But you have 29 other teams that are looking at it, KOC, and saying, well, why am I going to give up 100 cents on the dollar for a guy who's a free of agent a year? Yeah. We see this all the time. What? So it makes me think Tibbs doesn't want to trade him. I am actually a subscriber to that theory. What are you hearing?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the impression I get is around maybe 15 to 20 teams have actually made an offer. And some of those offers aren't anything worthwhile. Other ones are, hmm, maybe that's acceptable. Maybe there's something to work with here. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk, especially this morning, about how people wonder how serious. Minnesota actually is about making a deal and, and you know one of the things that I've heard from a handful of sources is that like with the Sixers for example with the initial offer that they made uh, the counter offer was like we need Ben Simmons and a deal and, and, and it's 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 is that true. It, I mean, it's things like that, counteroffers like that that make you wonder, is this actually for real? It- so they're
0: the, the shithead in your fantasy league who doesn't have a QB and you <laughs> offer them Jared Goff and they're like, yeah, we'll take Beckham back. And you're like, OK, dude, I'll see you later.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it does seem like that. But there, there's certainly a frustration um, across the league. Uh, trying to figure out what the actual price is for Jimmy Butler. It it seems to be too significant. And and the thing is, though, is the the offers that that, that do seem out there. Like on Sunday, there was a lot of noise about Miami. Um, On Monday, there was a lot about Brooklyn. You and I,
0: we were texting about that for a week. I thought he was going to end up in Miami. Me too. I I thought it would have
1: been done by now. Seems Um, like that's not happening. No, because I think the difficulty there is finding the third team and the appropriate price for someone to take on the Gorgie Jen contract. Um, The key with Miami is they...
0: Are never really going to have the cap space to sign a marquee guy. Yeah. So I always thought they were going to figure this out. Use Whiteside in the deal. Take Dang's contract back. I don't think Minnesota wants Whiteside. I can't yeah, really but I, I would. I would take him though at this yeah, point. If I'm getting rid of I Dang, wouldn't. it's two years, not three. That's the thing. It's like you But know, then I get Bam Adebayo, and I get Justice Winslow in the it, trade. Yeah. And that, at least I but have But you also something. get Hassan Whiteside. But only for <laughs> two years. I don't have him for
1: three. Like, dang. Yeah, but that's the thing. I'm it's losing like, in this trade no matter what you know, happens. I'm trading if, Jimmy Butler. You know, Thibodeau like, has clearly declined some – acceptable offers or offers that you can actually work with and negotiate with, but you also can't blame him for saying no to some of the things that are out there. Like, I heard the, the Nets won't even put Karis LeVert on the table. Which, well, I mean, he's yeah,
0: Karis LeVert.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Can't, it's like Can't put him on the table. <laughs> Sean
0: Marks, he's revolutionized the Nets. He saved them. Karis LeVert's pretty good. Like, he's, he's fine. He's Is he good. ever going to make an All-NBA team? Probably not. Is he ever going to make an All-Star team? Probably not. But there's... I'm putting him on the table for there, Jimmy there's Butler. There's
1: like a, a non-zero percent chance that he... Yeah, you should probably put him on the table for Jimmy Butler. Plus, he has an injury history. He does. Yeah, the foot injury in Harris college. Levert. Well, I mean, but that's I the want thing, I Sean though.
0: Mark's PR team. I'm going to hire them for the ringer <laughs> to just, per, just push everything we're doing in a crazy <laughs> way. I love the
1: Nets. I think mean, the Nets, Does this, have, do have? Does this have anything Who to do like, with... like, oh, God, <laughs> they Sean Mark saved the Nets? Like, how? <laughs> what do like, they, they have to all NBA players? stole all their draft picks.
0: Well, that's fine, but that doesn't excuse the Alan Crab trade. Yeah. Why are they paying eighteen
1: million dollars a year for Alan Crab? They gotta pay somebody. You gotta meet the, the minimum. Hell out of here!
0: Come the on. Nets. Just stop. It's solid, it like C plus job challenge. so far.
1: They have good talent. On Who? Karis LeVert's pretty good. Great. Does Karis LeVert crack the 10-man rotation <laughs> in the Celtics? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah, probably does the back end of it. My, can my I tell you my... I'm
0: not semi Ojale. It's semi Ojale or Caris LeVert. If semi Ojale <laughs> was on the Nets, we'd be talking about him as Nick <laughs> well, yeah, the next Draymond Green. You never Brooklyn know. the PR it's people pretty good. out there. Um, here's my dream trade that I think makes a lot of sense. Gallinari. From the Clippers, Mm -hmm. along with Beverly's expiring contract, along with um, Robinson, the kid they took from BC in the draft, along with Thornwell, who I think is a Tibbs type of guy. You could have seen him on the 11 Bulls. The Clips take back Butler, (laughs) and they take back Georgie Dang. Georgie? Georgie? Georgie. Georgie Dang. I've never been able to say it. It's okay. I have I an NBA speech impediment. I'm not going to apologize. I, mean, some, I don't know who all these guys are. Some names are
1: hard to say. and that, That's a name where it starts with a D, the I still have name, an, but there's a J in there, Gorgie Zhang.
0: I watch yeah. every Red Sox game, and I still say Porcello, Porcello. I still <laughs> vacillate back and forth. So I have a, a pronunciation speech impediment. But if the Clippers do that, first of all, that's a fair amount to give up for a guy who could leave in a year and not sign with them. But more importantly, it keeps their cap space. Because they dump Gallinari, who I think makes twenty one, and then they're taking back Dang, who's fifteen, and they're taking him back for an extra year, but it still gives them enough to potentially get Kawhi too. And if I were them, I would do that because you're basically turning
1: Gallinari into Butler, for sure. And, you know, I think with the Clippers, they're one of the teams that can offer that blend of youth with veterans, right? And if you're Minnesota, whether you're Tom Thibodeau or you're Leighton or Taylor, I feel like that's the type of package you should be seeking. Um, that mixture. Uh the thing is, it's like I've also heard Clippers aren't willing to put either of their first round picks out there. Like I've heard that. Jerome Robinson, as well. like or just Gilgis- I under- you can understand not giving Gilgeston. I understand Shay. But Jerome Robinson, unless they are really that high on him and like you-, you never know how much the team values the player compared to everybody else out there. They Maybe may be a little pasturing. Could be. You know, but if it is posturing, that's where if you're Minnesota, you get to play with that. You can't demand the best player in return. Sometimes you need to be a little bit more realistic. I like that
0: trade for Minnesota because in Gallinari is a classic. We've joked about this. If he can stay healthy, I love him. When he never he's healthy. stays healthy, but Whoa. when he is healthy and when he's in shape, he's a good basketball player. He also fits in with the team they have a little bit better than some of the other names I've heard. And they would dump Dang's contract, and basically they're out of all of these things when. The Towns-Wiggins really, the combination of those two extensions really starts to kick in uh, A se- the yeah. season after this one. They need the flexibility. I have no idea
1: how they would afford Butler, Towns, and Wiggins anyway. It'd be expensive. I mean, it'd be tough to build around that core. But
0: I think that's the best fake trade that uh, – I was on the trade machine for hours and <laughs> hours and hours just trying to figure out how this could go. The, the wild card trade, that will never happen, but we have to mention it. But I have no info on this. I am just pure trade machine speculation. That's it. I do not. Okay. I just want to make this clear. 100% <laughs> will not happen. So don't turn this into a blog post weirdos <laughs> of the internet. But if Minnesota called the Celtics.
1: <laughs> okay. It said Hayward for Butler. <laughs> oh, I think Boston would say no.
0: They would say no, because trading Gordon Hayward would give them even worse karma than trading (laughs) Isaiah Thomas did.
1: I I should have expected the Celtics, but I wasn't expecting the Celtics.
0: (laughs) But they would have a meeting about it.
1: Celtics front office would.
0: Absolutely, you'd have to. Now, Minnesota would say, we'll do Butler and Dang for Hayward. They would say no, they'd hang up. But if they were like, let's just figure out Butler and expirings for Hayward. (laughs) Let's just do it straight up.
1: But like the in, in, the Celtics, in a vacuum, but not. in – I mean, Hayward's locked up long term, and Butler's a free agent. I, I don't. Know. Hayward's got
0: three years left, coming off a major injury. If you're the Celtics and you think you can win the title, Hayward is the X factor on this team. I think this is the best nine man rotation they've had since 1986. I I'd say that without hyperbole. I I think every player they bring in, it's a
1: stacked team. It's a stacked it really team is. that they're now bringing in dudes who have started in conference finals games and produced. Well, it's like Hayward, you know, I did the article on The Ringer about Hayward on Wednesday, and like he said at me today, is like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are more experienced than me. Yeah. Right? Because they've went, they've went the distance, you know, to the conference finals. Coming off finals. the
0: bench, Morris, Baines, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart. Those guys, those guys are reliable bench guys. Nobody has four guys mm-hmm. off the bench like that, not to mention all the shooting they have, all the lineups they have. The X factor is Hayward. And whether he can stay healthy. And I, I've been surprised. I thought his ankle was going to be 100% from, like, May. And they're just saying now, like, he can finally dunk off his left leg. I'm like,
1: fuck, it's mid-September. He's uh, just starting to dunk off his left leg? I think when it comes to health, though, like, this almost kind of relates to the difficulties in valuing Jimmy Butler, though. He's only played only seven over 70 games twice in his career. You know, he has a lot of, lot of lower body injuries over his career, a lot of miles on his legs, about to turn 30 years old, wants a five-year max contract. Where, like, you're mentioning Hayward post-injury. Butler has never had a major injury, but he's also had a lot of, you know, minor ones or nagging ones that have took him off the court. Uh, so well, I think you know, if you're valuing him, it's tough to, tough to figure out what exactly he is. Because when he's healthy, he's a top-ten player, but he's not always healthy, which puts him, to me, in my eyes, like around ranked 15th or so in the best in the league.
0: So I've heard this case. I saw it on Twitter. And even Skeets Shout out to Skeets. What's up, Skeets? <laughs> Shout out. Compared him a little bit to Blake Griffin, which I was surprised Prattler. by. Yeah, like about if you're giving him $190 million, there's a little Blake Griffin potential there, and he's had some injuries. So I, I was like, that doesn't, doesn't seem right. So I looked it up. He's missed 61 games over the last four years. He's 29. He obviously turns mm-hmm. 30 a year from now. But I feel like he's like kind of a young twenty nine. He started late. He transferred schools. Yeah. Um. He's only played four hundred and fifty eight games regular season. He's played forty three playoff games. So by comparison, I looked up like Andrea Gaudaur, for example, is somebody that a swingman who played a lot of minutes and had a lot of miles on him. He played six hundred ninety five games by the time he was twenty nine. Durant played seven seventy one by the time he was twenty nine. I don't feel like Butler has a ton of miles on him yet. Um. I think it's like the
1: 37 minutes per game, like that type of thing. Like When he played, yeah, it was a I, I lot. Yeah, I see you know? it.
0: He was third-team
1: All-NBA in 16 and 18.
0: So two of the last three years, he was one of the best 15 players in the league by any calculation. Last year,
1: at one point, he looked like a top-five MVP candidate. I think Middle if he didn't season. get hurt
0: last year and if he had played 82, I think he would have been second-team
1: All-NBA. But Th- that's the thing. If he plays 82, though. Right. The, he has only played only 70, 70 games twice in his career. Yeah. I, I get it, it's but, like, but I, I don't always play in six
0: sixty-ish games. I don't feel like this is um I don't think of him as an
1: injury-prone guy, I guess is my point. I Me mean, neither. Because he's so tough, you know, and he plays so hard and he plays through things. But like Westbrook when, when has knee surgery every August <laughs> and we we don't talk about
0: it anymore. He has the same knee treatment every year, and it's like nobody ever worries still, about it.
1: It's still like even even if a guy hasn't missed a lot of extended time, it's still scary moving into their 30s, though, I think.
0: Last four years. He's basically been 22 6 and 5, 23 PER, 46% shooter, 35% from three, 85% from the line, which I like about him. I would describe him as an A minus defender. I don't think I would give him an A. I would give him an A minus. I think he's good. He can defend all types of guys. My big thing that, that, uh, concerns me about him is the locker room chemistry stuff. And I've had him on the podcast twice. I enjoyed his company. I thought he seemed (laughs) like a good guy. He's definitely got a swagger to him. But he's now been in three situations that something has gone wrong with his teammates. Two different times with the Bulls. And then this last year with Minnesota. And the thing that concerns me with the Minnesota, I see the Chicago one. That was like, you have a really, I, I think, a bad coach. A bunch of weird personalities on the team there, especially that Wade Rondo year, Maratich, Bobby Portis, like that. Oh. That was like a nightmare. <laughs> last year doesn't make sense to me. I went. I talked about this on this podcast. I went to a Minnesota Clippers game last year, and you could tell their chemistry oh, yeah, we, was we, way off.
1: Yeah, I think we were both at that. Yeah, one, we, right? yeah, I, yeah, we yeah, went yeah, to that yeah. together.
0: That's right. And we were like, <laughs> yeah. God, Butler hates Towns. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. obvious. We we're in the fifth row. We could see it. And what concerns me is, I don't think Towns is like a bad guy. He's not.
1: He's he's a a little flighty. He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's a nice guy. I think his heart's in the right place. Wiggins is frustrating. He doesn't try all the time, but I don't feel like he's a bad guy either. And Butler somehow clashed with these guys, and I don't really know what happened. What did you hear from that? Yeah, I
1: mean, Butler's not a bad guy either. None of of them are bad guys. But how did this go so bad? Sometimes good people can, can have disagreements. Sometimes good people can not click. Um, sometimes good people can be a little bit more aggressive, you know, it's with, like you and Danny Chow. We, <laughs> we try to keep you guys apart. I mean, Danny, are tight, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, no, it just seemed last year, like last December when, you know, Verno and I had a pod talking about this, it, it seemed to me like there's a lot of, there's stuff between towns and Butler, right? uh, but also I think a lot of the younger players on the team just not playing, not getting opportunity. Um, or some of the veterans that expected more playing time not getting that playing time. So it was like up and down the roster, I think it was problematic in December. And I think it got a little better, then it got worse. And then the Butler-Towns thing never resolved itself. They won 48 games. They had a really good season. Especially yeah, and they, like they really could have healthy. been better considering yeah, I mean, they, had they had some injuries. Had, they were riding in the three seed up until that Butler injury. So
0: normally when players don't get along, my theory – based on uh, years and years and decades of experience following the NBA, is women are cards. Those are the two reasons uh, two teammates oh. can fall apart. 98% of the time, it's women are cards. I think this is the 2% of the time. I think Butler came in acting like he was hot shit. I'm like, I'm here to win. I'm Jimmy Butler. I'm one of the best 10 players in the league. And looks at Towns as like this cornerstone that he's going to have this thing with and Towns isn't kind of where he thought he was going to be. I think Towns is a little bit of a passive personality. He is. And Butler is just doing this whole, here's how we should do it here and I'm Jimmy Butler and (laughs) those guys. are puffed out right now as they are saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm Jimmy Butler. This is, we should do this. And I think Towns and Wiggins are looking at this guy like, who the fuck are you? You've never made it out of the second round. What, What are you like? What are you bringing your four rings here? And I think that's what from what I've heard, that's that's where it went bad. You had somebody that hadn't really won anything acting like he had and treat talking down to these guys and acting like he was superior to them. And it just didn't go well. None of it really went well, as we're finding out this past yeah. month. None well, of it has. <laughs> you know, it finally got put out this week and I, I believe it. I don't even think it's a conspiracy theory. Towns' contract extension was not an accident. And all these other guys, I was texting you about this this summer. I was like, why is... Jokic, why did they take care of him? Why did they take care of Devin Booker? Why isn't Towns taken care of yet? We were all kind of like, this is weird. Why not grab the long-term extension? It's clear now that he wanted to see how this Jimmy Butler thing went. And as soon as they were like, we're trading him, not a coincidence, they announced the Towns extension. You yeah. didn't think that was a coincidence, did you?
1: Didn't seem like a coincidence. That's for sure. You know, especially with the, the, the lead up up to that, that, you know, Towns wouldn't want to sign it without Butler there. Or he, w- he wouldn't sign it unless Butler was gone. And granted, Butler's still there at this point. And it, and it seems like we're not close to a resolution that can flip, you know, in a heartbeat, right? If, a good, if the right offer comes along or if something changes within Minnesota's front office. But when it felt like this was going to be done, like over the weekend when we chatted, it, it doesn't seem any closer right now, does it? Let's take a quick break talk about Starbucks Double Shot.
0: It starts with bold Starbucks coffee blended with milk for a smooth, creamy, delicious flavor. Enhanced with ginseng, guarana, and B vitamins. Available in six delicious flavors. Mocha, vanilla, hazelnut, white chocolate, coffee, Mexican mocha. An energy coffee drink that not only tastes great, it gives you the energy to go from point A to point done. I've been drinking these late afternoon in lieu of actually going to Starbucks and ordering my late afternoon latte. Life's a lot easier. It's just in my fridge. I go grab one. I get a little jolt wake up a little bit. That's what you have to do. I'm not like Joe House who gets the Trenta red eye with uh, three shots of espresso in it. He's a psychopath. This is for normal people. Starbucks double shot energy to do things you actually do. Find it in your local convenience store. Speaking of Joe House, check out Shack House. He has a bunch of, he did that, put that up yesterday, right Kyle? How, how's of Carbs? No, the uh, Shack House. He did do Shack House yesterday as well, yeah. Yeah, he put up House of Carbs and Shack House yesterday. But Shack House has all of his Ryder Cup picks. You know what you can do? Bet on the Ryder Cup. Oh, yeah. And House has been really hot all season. So if you want a little extra, if you can't decide who to root for between your country and uh, in Europe, if you're on the fence, and you need gambling to push it over the top, check out Shaq House. He has all kinds of recommendations in there as well. I haven't decided if he's allowed back on Friday rolling yet, but we'll see. All right, back to the pod. Coming back really quick. The person who is involved in this story to nobody's surprise, who is you're young. You, you don't have the same experience with, with this human being as, as some of the older NBA fans do Glenn Taylor, the Timberwolves owner kind of secretly one of the biggest disasters we've had as an owner for the last uh, 20 plus years presided over the Joe Smith um, tampering fiasco that ended up costing them multiple first round picks (laughs) Kept Kevin McHale in charge for an inordinately long amount of time. Hired, employed, and gave power of basketball attorney basically to David Kahn, who passed (laughs) Stephen Stephen Curry not once but twice and took two other point guards right in front of him. Um, Held on to KG way too long. Should have traded him two years before he actually did. Just had, there was no roadmap for that team to do well with him. Um, The Kevin Love saga. That was uh, handled terribly and then worked out fortuitously because Cleveland got LeBron and was able to flip Wiggins there. But for the most part, has been one of the three or four worst owners in the league now for 20-plus years. Gives the moon and the stars (laughs) to Tom Thibodeau. By the way, we'll never see anyone get that again, I don't think. I don't think we'll ever see the coach-GM combo. It's just worked out too badly. it, It would
1: have to be like the next popovich Belichick type of coach to get that responsibility. Goes
0: all in on this guy right as the NBA is changing. And I thought it was a great hire, but now you watch Tibbs these last couple years and it's just the league is too different. That whole, uh, you know, the the 2013 Pacers could not happen in 2018 and that's kind of where he succeeds. So he's had a lot of time adjusting to that. Keeps bringing in his guys. Um, They give up a lot in that Jimmy Butler trade. I thought that was a good trade for them. Um, But it just, none of it's worked out. And my point is, it always goes back to the owner. Bad ownership leads to bad situations. That is the one thing we learned. The players change, the coaches change, styles change. Everything changes in basketball. The one thing that never changes is you're screwed if you have a bad
1: owner. And I think he's a bad owner. I've heard he's a great guy great he's a bad owner yeah you know you like you talk to executives you know younger executives who you know have aspirations you know if they want to rise up and you know they or even veterans as well but the one thing that people always say is that when it comes to taking that job you need to have the right owner in place if it's not the right owner like there's going to be a the clock's going to be ticking on you the second you take that. And that's true for even with good owners. But um, with bad ones especially, it's tough to do things that you want to do. It, it can be a high-pressure environment, you know, depending on the type of owner. Uh, it, it all starts from the top with with sports organizations. Always. Always. That I mean, another
0: team that's been a mess and changed tactics a million times and is another good team of uh, getting the press ready is uh, is or getting the press behind them is Phoenix. Sarver has been, I don't know, a really erratic, crazy owner. And um, I just think if you have a bad owner, you know it. Yeah. You know, like the Nick fans know they have a bad owner. So they, this little pipe dream now of KD and Kyrie coming there next mm-hmm. year, the players read all this stuff. They know, you I know. Mean, and
1: yeah. Essentially like with KD, maybe it doesn't matter, like someone at that level.
0: I think it does. Ultimately, he's going to – this is the team that's going to employ him for four to five years. And you can try to talk yourself into the city and the history and all that stuff, but ultimately, you have to deal with James Dolan. And right now, he's in this situation where he's dealing with the Lake Ubs and Rick Welts and John Burbank and all these really smart dudes. <laughs> and now you're with James Dolan, and that's your conduit Dude. to uh, the outside world. I don't yeah, know. I don't from, see it. Go from like light years ahead to a guy who prefers playing in his band. And <laughs> <this> right. <laughs> So I guess my point is, um, you have. To, I know you have to go, but you have to tell Julia to wait. Um, <laughs> I don't care if you have a 10 o'clock meeting. This is important. I guess my point is, um, I am not surprised that this is the team embroiled in one of the weirdest situations we've seen where you have a GM and a coach who clearly don't want to trade somebody. The player who wants to get traded has already packed his bags and then the He's owner who's bags all
1: right, yeah. And then the owner <laughs> who's
0: like, yeah, we're trading them. I, this is unprecedented. I've never seen such a public breach between yeah. an owner and a front office. Cause it's the owner's team. He owns sure. it. He gets to do whatever the it, fuck he wants. And with
1: Taylor, there's the stuff you know at the owners' meetings over the weekend that he, you know, he's the guy to talk to. And an executive said to me after that came out, he, he's like, "Well, if that's true, who's Taylor leaning on? Like, who are the people who he's talking about, talking to about like what acceptable deals are, what what to look for?" Which you know like, who, who are his advisors? McHale. Kim McHale is yeah. back. And it turns out that it's Thibodeau and Layden, like, you know, just handed back the responsibility to them. And that hasn't led to anything, though. And that puts Taylor in a tough position because, you know, the front office has a lot of years left on their deal. Thibodeau had a very expensive contract. It's not like you can just fire them today. You, 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 you have them under control for a long time. And I think you need to work with them. But that's tough because they, they're not either finding a, a deal or they're unwilling to find one right now. How does this play out? What's your prediction? I think does Paulist, the trade happen in the next four days uh, i I would lean towards yes, it, it just feels like something needs to happen. I'd be surprised if Butler's a wolf. What's your prediction? what team The two teams that there's been the most noise about Miami and brooklyn I think one of them there's just been the most about them, so that actually makes me think those aren't going to be the teams, so someone out of nowhere.
0: It's usually when there's noise that usually means. The team that wants the noise to exist is floating out the noise. So, so you Clippers maybe?
1: Because
0: I they still make, think the Clippers make, make the most sense, sense on
1: paper. That's for sure. We know
0: we know he has a place here. I mean, we you know, know he loves LA. Like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Why do you think the Lakers didn't get involved yet? I I think it's worth keeping cap space. There's there's guys I'd rather have on in free agency than Jimmy Butler. I'd rather just bank on that. I
0: can't decide if Jimmy Butler is overrated or or underrated. I actually think he might be underrated. I think he's overrated. You think he's overrated? I mean, I like
1: people. I mean, I think just because of the injury history. Yes, I think I think that's a factor. Like availability, the off-court stuff. I mean, Butler's I mean, like you just mentioned, but uh, good guy. But some of the concerns with how it's gone in the past situations. I think all of that needs to be factored in more than just on-court performance when the guy's healthy. Availability Mm -hmm. matters a lot.
0: I care less. He's, about he's awesome.
1: He's like fifth. I have him like fifteenth best player. I care Florida. well,
0: and there's 30 teams, so that's okay. important. I care less about the injury history and much more about the locker room stuff. That would be my biggest hesitation. Like if the Opposite Celtics me, traded really. for him right now, I'd be like, "Fuck, we have great chemistry." Yeah. I don't. Is this guy going to be happy? I I think enough has happened, fair or unfair to him that you just have to question like, why is why is he repeatedly in an unhappy situation? I don't understand it. Is it just bad luck three times in a row? Or does he Could have be. some blame to it? Or is it somebody that he's got to be in the perfect situation? I, I was thinking that uh, Houston would have been the most fascinating chemistry experiment. Putting him with Harden and Chris Paul and Carmelo, you love that situation, don't you? Well, if if, <laughs> if any of those four guys are unhappy, that could go sideways pretty fast.
1: Are you selling Rocket stock? I'm buying. If, if you're selling, I'm buying it. You're buying my Rocket. I mean, stock. I don't mean, think like the Rockets are going to be as good as last year, but I'm buying. I still think they're going to be a really, really good team. Any stock you're buying a lot of right now?
0: Um, I don't want to
1: step on Preview Palooza. In terms of like, I, I feel like the. Spurs and Lakers, like when you're looking at over-unders, I think both of them, I'd be hammering the over on both of them. I feel the way about the Salts, too. They were, what, 58 and a half, I think? Uh, the, how is it not 62? It should be 62 or something like the that. The East sucks. Yeah, the East sucks, and that team is
0: loaded. I think Atlanta under is interesting, too, because last year Coach Bud was just in FU mode trying to win games, <laughs> and this year everyone's on the same page, yeah. and that team wants to stick. They openly want to be bad. Bucks are interesting too. I think
1: like I don't know what to make of yeah, them. What are they, forty four, forty-five? Uh, something like that. Cause like Budenholzer has always like run a lot of pick and roll, whereas yeah. Milwaukee like never has. And you know, I wonder now seeing Giannis into the Kumpo in a situation where he'll be running more pick and roll could be pretty fascinating. He could he could elevate his play in Budenholzer's system.
0: I think they're the X factor in the I think Philly's gonna be worse. I just don't think their benches is as good and and they need a lot of health from Simmons and Embiid. I think they need like 150 games from those guys to hit 50 wins or beyond. Um, Indiana, they moved the deck deck chairs along a little bit. They're fine. I don't think they're different or much better or much worse than last year. Washington, who the hell knows? You go all the way through, but Milwaukee is the one like, ah, I don't know. You could tell me that Giannis is going to be the MVP this year and they're going to win 55 games. I wouldn't be shocked by that. No. If he just had one of those like LeBron in 2009 type could, of jumps. and holes or could unleash him. Could unleash him. And mm-hmm. it it felt like one of those things where last year it never felt like they were using him correctly and that he was in the mix the right way. So anyway, we have a lot of cool. time to talk about this stuff. Yes. KOC, did you figure out a name for your uh, Tuesday pod yet? Uh, we're working on it, Bill. <laughs> it's not going to be Blow It Up? I, I don't I, I don't really love the Blow It Up name for the pod. I just love K. Vernon saying, blow it, screaming, blow it up. at started start of every pod.
1: <laughs> just both of us just What's shouting at each other. What's the leader in the clubhouse right now? Uh, there is no leader at the moment. Double dribble? It's on the list. I don't love it. Need you're a, so need a spark. picky. I know. We should be picky. It's like you're picky when you're naming, naming anything.
0: Well, can you fucking come up with a name? We need to do <laughs> the art for it. Jesus. Yeah, it's true. You're we need like... to You're not like uh, some band coming up with the
1: title for a new album We're not naming our children here Nah, just come up with a name Your name's Kevin O'Connor, his name's Chris Vernon This isn't hard I mean, we did say Chris and Kev or, you know So you're out on KOC now? I mean, I like KOC, I just don't love it in the title What do you think, Kyle? I think you're allowed to have, like, separate
0: personas Like, KOC's talking, shit is getting real I like Kevin O'Connor's talking I like Kev,
1: I, I Kev, you, yeah. you sound like you. You, yeah, lost you me on Kev. You should be wearing, wearing a like backwards. You're like the fucking Disney right Channel. Yeah, <laughs> like power you're like Jesse's new friend. In rock- Kev.
0: <laughs> oh, Kev's here, wearing his <laughs> <it's> hat backwards. <laughs> That's a good rocket power. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I look forward to reading you as as the uh, preseason goes along, Definitely. and when Jimmy Butler I'm gets traded, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you out again. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Hey, we've been doing football picks every week on Fridays on the BS podcast. People ask me for advice or they want to hear what I say and then they like to go the other way. The truth is I don't always know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. It's your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. Great reviews online. Their mobile site, easy to use. In-game live betting. They have that. They have the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Lay down some cash. Win big today. You win. They pay. Hey, by the way, they are slammed with new betters. They want to give everyone the best service available. If you're willing to deposit after 7 Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now. My bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code Bill Simmons when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 of free play. That is my bookie. Don't forget to use the promo code Bill Simmons when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right,
2: John Bananas is here <laughs> in the flesh and blood. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been too long, and this is not not my doing. For everyone who wants to know, I what get do you mean you are doing. I get te- I get tweets all the time. When are you gonna go back on the ringer? And I'm like, guys, I text Bill on a daily basis ad nauseum, and he never. There texts was a couple of times.
0: No, that's not true. I text you back. Um, <laughs> the timing hasn't worked out a couple of times, but now it's working yeah, out. That story now you have a life. new MB- NBC show.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When's that start? Uh, don't try and get off topic, man. Come on. When does it start? If you were a girl, I would have deleted your number a long time ago. I'm man. not a girl though. That's why you didn't. You're my best friend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, when does it start? It starts Saturday night. after great. After SNL. Okay, great. Yeah. Great time slot. What's the title? It's called First Look. Um, people want First Look is essentially a combination of a travel show and an experiential show. So essentially what every segment is if It's not the travel segments, which are cool. I've been to the south of France where we uh, did a whole profile on everything France. Gerard Bertrand, who's this uh, huge, um, he's essentially the Pablo Escobar of wines in France. Did a whole profile on him. His jazz festival went to Alaska, which is actually going to be the season premiere this Saturday. Uh, spent seven days in Alaska. Went to Seward, Alaska, Homer, Alaska, Cooper Landing. Um, and then you vote the natives off. What happens? Exactly, exactly. I Three go there. People
0: have to leave the town.
2: I, by the time once I get there, they realize why. They don't like the lower 48, <laughs> as they refer to it. And I'm <laughs> essentially why. Um, and then when we're not doing the travel episodes, we're doing the experiential segments, which are each episode is a theme and it's putting me in, in, in situations, circumstances that most people have never seen or never heard of. Yesterday, I was in a thing called Wasteland Weekend, which is uh, Mad Max meets Burning Man. I've sumo wrestled a 600-pound sumo wrestler. I uh, danced. I made the LA Rams cheerleading squad. I uh, was a stripper pole dancer last week and uh, I mean the list goes on and on man it's any any wacky you know idea you can come up with the producers probably already have and they're putting me in that circumstance I did you know I I worked out with Travis Kelsey the Pouncey brothers Mark Ingram you know in in uh, this training facility in Florida got my ass handed to me obviously I sent you the clip I don't know if you watched it I don't know if I watched it probably not it's all right I get it you're a busy guy man
0: I so, I've supported the banana. I was like the I first know. one to support the franchise. I know. I, I know. was with you. Bill, you're the man. What real world season was that? Key West. Key West. 17. How many years ago was
2: that? 12. God, it feels like hundred. It does. To you. How many challenges have Talk you had Talk to my sense? therapist. I mean, yeah, she knows. Uh, 17 seasons. 17 challenges, 12 years on reality television. Uh, no signs of stopping. So people always ask
0: me, what, your, what are your favorite TV shows? What are you watching lately? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll be like, oh, you know, I like Succession and and The Challenge. And it was, they don't
2: know what to do. I'm like, I fucking love The Challenge. I'm not going to apologize. A lot of people like The Challenge, though. It rates really well. What's funny is uh, Jimmy Fallon got the exact same reaction uh, before I did his show. He had, who do you have on? Uh, Millie Bobby Brown. And then the next day he had Jerry Seinfeld on. Hmm. And The Challenge came up as topics of conversation with both of them. Seinfeld literally asked him. He asked him on the show. He goes... I don't have a show. Do you have a show? And he goes, yeah, I love the challenge on MTV. And Seinfeld literally looked at him like, <laughs> the, f- the what? The, what's going on? <laughs> Same with Millie Bobby Brown. It was funny. After Stranger Things 2 came out, she was like, he literally hadn't, he's, he has a guest on that he's talking to, has not seen her show yet, but goes, but I love the challenge. I'm obsessed with it. I watch every episode. So it's pretty cool, man. And 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 I think, you know, guys like you, uh, you know, watching the challenge and giving it props, it, it, it just gives it, you know, so much more uh, credibility than sometimes I believe it deserves.
0: Well, I was worried that the challenge would survive because the feeder system was the real world. I know. <laughs> that was the minors to the uh, challenge being the majors. And <sighs> the real world for a variety of reasons is kind of – Kind of hit the end, I yeah. feel like.
2: Is it over? Has it it's been canceled? Not, they're, they're actually rebooting it soon. They're yeah. doing a real world reboot. I know. It's tough. It's going to be tough. It's gonna, they got to get away from the gimmicks. If they get away from the gimmicks and just go back to what made the real world awesome, which was seven, you know, 20-somethings, attractive, different walks of life, but not from opposite ends of the universe, uh, hanging out, hooking up, drinking. Like, that's what made the show great. It was it shouldn't simple.
0: Be, it shouldn't be seven people who- all probably have a sexually transmitted disease yeah, yeah, getting exactly. together okay. and this is going to be the highlight of their lives just being on the show so the in the old days some of the people actually had stuff going on yeah and this was like a, a stop to wherever they were going next and somehow that shifted i think a lot i lo- think
2: they blew it i think a lot of it you can, i can't put it all on 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 just the real world i think a lot of it has to do with just the culture these days and i think yeah. it has to do with the oversaturation of reality television when I, when I started it was us and survivor we're the only games in town yeah two reality shows so it was like you, and now it's the point where there's a reality show about everything i mean there's probably a reality show about your your guy sitting over here at the computer you know what i mean Nephew kyle yeah Nephi we got kyle. his twitter feed from
0: 1500 to like eleven thousand in 24 hours i believe it man got a tattoo it was great i love it um you don't want to watch his reality show i'd love to it's, it's just, I mean, I'm having a great time just, just
2: watching them type over here.
0: It's just dark bars and, and women <laughs> that I shouldn't be talking to. Good man. Cigarettes. Truly doing God's work, my friend. <laughs> Thanks. I, somebody, um, I'm glad somebody sees it that <laughs> um, you know, The th- other thing that's the problem with that is, is like, we, even when you were on the real world, social media didn't, didn't exist yet, exist, and yeah. the internet was like in its infancy. First, te- first decade. Yeah. Now social media is such a huge part of being a young person. I don't know how you capture that in the quote unquote real world where nobody's allowed to go on
2: their phones. See, here's the problem with that is, and this is what I I say this, and I've said this many times and I'll say it again. The problem with the challenge and what's happened is the challenge has gone from the old school gritty guys, which back when the Derricks, the CTs, the Brads, you know, the Darrels, Derrick, Derek's one of my all timers. Love Derek. Shout out to D. Durrell. Um, Wes, Mark Long, uh, you know, Kenny, Evan, like these guys, it was like they were cut from a different cloth and we went and we competed and we were there for the love of the game. Yeah. This is before the social media world existed. Now I feel like cast members are going simply for followers or simply to create an image or a brand or a name before like the johnny bananas brand that just kind of came about like organically over the seasons and i was like hey i've been on five seasons maybe i should see sell a bobblehead and see what people think and it it worked whereas people are coming on now after one season it's like they want to be the star of the show and it's like this whole instant gratification you know entitlement of i feel like this new generation of of you know kids and reality television people
0: but you're to blame for that
2: new generation. Uh, listen. The blood I, is on your hands. Sort of, but they haven't exactly followed in my footsteps. If you see the way I came into the show, it was like, I came into a house of monsters and I yeah. was like, I don't want to take them out. I want to assimilate into them. Yeah. Now it's, I want a storyline that we go after bananas. That's the new, that's the trend now. On, on the challenge. Though.
0: You're going to get on the show if you do that.
2: Man, but it's, but it's lame, dude. It's like, be you, don't be me. Like create your own story. I didn't, I didn't create the Johnny Bananas brand by going after other cast members it happened we went against each other but it wasn't like i'm going to you know i'm gonna uh, uh ride this guy's coattails and make a storyline simply based off the fact that me and him are going at it you know it
0: reminds me of world series of poker when it took off and the best guys were in the world series of poker and then these people would just beat the tables being like i'm going all in i want to be the one that brings down daniel negrano and yeah. then sometimes they actually would that's happening to you. I'm Team Bananas. You're my favorite team in the challenge. Thank
2: you, man. It means a lot.
0: The other one that's grown on me, and not just because of the Massachusetts theme, but because I feel like she's been in my life now for ten years. I feel like I know her as Car Maria. Yeah, because she's such a tortured soul. Yeah, and she's so self-loathing, <laughs> and so, it's like people are yelling at her, and she's like, "You can't hurt me. Nobody <laughs> hates me
2: more than myself." And you're just like, "Man, I really, really wish she could find some happiness." It was like, it was like, how. that almost like short circuits people. It's like, I hate you. It's like, well, I hate myself. It's like, uh, now what do I do? That's bouncing off me. The thing about Cara, and this is why I think Cara has grown to be not just a fan favorite, but like, I mean, I'm going to say it right here. I love the girl. All right. And, And it took a long time, I think, for me and her to really- You guys had a rocky relationship. We had a very rocky relationship for a long time. And I think the reason why is because she was never, they call it your truth on the challenge. She was never, she never was- true to her truth which was she's a weirdo she's she she's a shy kind of like awkward like weird girl and she would always try and do things like oh i like horseback riding i'm a crossfitter i'm into snm and it's like cara you you don't need to constantly keep reinventing yourself on this image just be you yeah and i feel like as soon as she finally was comfortable being herself and owning her weirdness really owning it and it, it, it's almost like now that she is comfortable with who she is, she's so much more of a likable, lovable person. And so, like, I've seen that side of her, and that's grown on me. But in addition to that, it's like now, Cara essentially is the female Johnny Bananas, where when she comes onto a challenge based on her, um, her, based, track, her competitive track record, exactly. And based on, you know, what she's accomplished, everyone hates her just solely based on that. So, it's almost like on this season of Final Reckoning, they pushed. I mean, they they pushed us together, and it was almost like we're in an alliance, essentially. You know, based on nothing other than the fact that everyone in the house hates us. So it's like we, you know, you kind of find common ground with with people who are in the same situation as, and um, that again, it helped me get to know her a lot better. And um,
0: I like the competitors. The thing I like about the challenge. I mean, I like all the parting stuff and all the drama and people yelling at each other, but. Ultimately, like there's just some people who kick ass yeah. and are really tough, you know. And you watch some of these challenges with you're 250 feet up yeah. on these
2: fucking 600, cranes. Six hundred. Six hundred, whatever it is. A and, thousand in uh we were a thousand feet off a off a cliff in uh in Hermanus, Africa. Yeah. So And the challenge is like somebody like Car she's up a thousand feet.
0: And she's just nonplussed, mm-hmm. you know, like I've, I've, there's no challenge they could throw at me that I haven't seen. You're the same way. And it's funny watching that in comparison to some of the newbies. Yeah. Who were like, <laughs> I know. and there's like no challenge that would scare any of the veterans. Oh, no, this they point, scare right? the shit out
2: of me. Don't, don't, don't listen. Don't Doesn't get it seem like it. Don't get, well, listen, man, what, don't let appearances fool you. I am absolutely shitting myself when I do these things. But I mean, it, it's almost like mind over matter. I don't care who you are. I mean, I guess unless you're some sicko, like daredevil, flying suit, wing weirdo. It's like being that high up off the ground, suspended by literally a piece of paracord that's thinner than this cable. Yeah. You're like, if I fall, like, okay, yeah, I know this is like a professional stunt crew. But like, what if they didn't tie a knot or like, what if something goes See, wrong? See, that's
0: what I would think about the whole time. <clears> I do. are these cranes and it's like, what if some dude got drunk last night and right? forgot to screw in we're like in, the part of the
2: crane? We're in Colombia. All right. Yeah. We are in Cartagena, Colombia. You know, we're in Thailand. We're in the middle of nowhere. The guys I see over here, it's like, this guy doesn't know how to tie his shoe, let alone probably tie a bowling knot or whatever the hell you do on a, on rigging. And I'm like, these are the guys whose lives that that were, you know, our, our, our lives are held in their hands. It's
0: crazy. Um, Who, give me the great <laughs> competitor rankings right now.
2: Rankings. The ones oh, okay. you respect
0: the most. What's <clears throat> like, what's like the top four females.
2: Both. Okay. Uh, females in no particular order. No, it has to be. I'm giving you an order. Give it, me the top it, it, four. It's hard to say because here's what the thing about the challenge. Are you talking about competitive-wise or just overall game How play? about this? Because because from an athletic standpoint, there are certain girls that stand out. And then like Cara Maria in eliminations is a freak of nature. She doesn't lose. But politically, terrible. The girl's political game is like- All right, so co-ed draft. Okay. You win the challenge. It's
0: 5 million bucks at stake. Okay. Bananas draws first pick. You can pick any female to Emily go to the challenge with. Oh, Emily, Emily Schramm, one sure. of the great athletes of all time, for
2: sure. And she's—I don't know this- how she
0: wasn't a ten, a ten gold medalist, ten, ten-time gold
2: medalist in the Olympics. Who she? What, what do you mean? No, she should have been. She should have been. The girl so can, the do, any, the girl can do anything. Produced. The girl can do anything. The girl can do And you know what makes her so good is. She doesn't even when she competes. She doesn't compete against the girls. She competes against the guys. Yeah. She doesn't care about how much better she does than the girls. She's like oh bananas. Like when I in, in Champ Stars when I literally ran circles around your boy Terrell Owens. Um, I didn't. I didn't support that
0: show. <laughs> uh, the, the, the word stars was used a little too loosely. It was a little a little I used mean, a little liberally. Stars. Know. I wanted to think that I, I they're actually it. stars. I get it. It was dude. like
2: here's the semifinalists in the darts championship. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this dude that won a one-legged ass-kicking contest. Yeah, it was, <laughs> um, yes, uh, I, I agree. I mean. We don't have to talk about not have sex. Um, but no, but you know, I would do, that, well, that was the last time me and her competed next to each other. And we do, I'd do a challenge and she'd do a challenge. And it'd be like, oh, bananas, you've got 10 more flags than me. I wanted to beat you. And it's like, Emily, like yeah. you're, you're a phenomenal athlete. Like, but you know, you're competing against another phenomenal Dudes, athlete. But, so but it's, um, hanging though. Hang. Oh, dude, she can hang.
0: So Emily won, who's
2: two? <sighs> I'd probably have to go right now in this day and age, i have to go Car Maria. You have to. I have to. Yeah. I mean, and the one thing, of the feistiest competitors we have. She's so feisty and she does not back down. And like I said, what's now made her so much more of a dangerous competitor is her willingness to accept the, the negativity that comes her way. Before it yeah. used to hurt her feelings. She used to cry. She's like, but I'm not. There's this, one way I'm to hurt that. her though. Well,
0: Hook her up horse. with the guy she
2: likes. Or talk about her horse.
0: Oh, that's the other way. That's the other way. Hook up with a guy she likes. She yeah. can handle it. She, she Freaks out. She liked that English dude with the hair plugs. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> she's the guy hooked up with like three English, girls in the house, I and she's that. like,
2: "I still love this guy." It's like, uh, I move love. On. Well, I mean, look at her. She, she dated Abram before. I mean, the girl doesn't have the most you know spectacular it's track tough, record. You know, she's gonna find um, happiness
0: though. I can. Yeah, feel yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So I count her titles when people talk about what a great 21st century Boston has had mm-hmm. with the you know. Three Red Sox titles, five Super Bowls, NBA title, mm-hmm. Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. multiple challenges yeah. from uh, from CT and
2: Cara Maria. I feel like that should be on the list. I agree. And and Cara beat. She was the first female individual winner where she beat got she what she was overall won the entire challenge against guys too the final. So right, and that's the impressive. Thing about, that's the thing about her man. Her political game is god awful. Like she literally could not, you know. She couldn't sell a cup of water to a guy that's been, you know, she couldn't give a cup of water away to a guy that's been, you know, dying of thirst in the desert for a month. But <laughs> when it comes to the eliminations, which she finds herself in often, which is a result of her lack of politics, she wins, you know? And then when she makes it to a final, she wins. And she just finds a way, dude, to just grind it out, man, and just and just make it there. And she's, she's as gritty as they get. Is there
0: another one up there or just those two? Laurel. Yeah, Laurel. Laurel, Laurel brings some baggage, though.
2: She does, but that's what makes the challenge amazing, dude. It's the baggage. I mean, you
0: got to manage the baggage, though. You do. Carmarie is easy. Laurel, Laurel will actually like flip out and start screaming at somebody, and well, Laurel's cause her a own, whole riot Laurel, in house.
2: Laurel's her own worst enemy. I think like a lot of really good athletes, really good competitors. It's like that that psycho factor, that that switch that they flip is what makes them, crazy. yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah.
0: So with same exercise, but with dudes, you can pick any male partner. million on the line for a challenge. You have first pick. Who's your pick? CT? Yeah. 100%. What am I getting? Am I getting the the new dad who ate a ton of macaroni and cheese from off his little, his kid's little thing, CT? Or am I getting like, I actually care about my body? You want to know what's crazy about
2: CT? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's such a freak of nature. The guy competes as well at 250 pounds, out of shape, as he did at 220 pounds. He's like Shaquille O'Neal. It's like when it's, Shaquille it's O'Neal didn't show up in shape for Lakers seasons. We've done challenges, all right? And I'm a nimble dude. I'm right yeah. on my feet. We've done challenges where I had trouble. There was this one, I'll never forget it. We had to sit on this on this little tiny bench, kind of s- just pushed forward. I mean, the bench was probably six inches wide. CT's ass is about six feet wide. And somehow he managed to sit his ass on this thing, suspended over the water, and, and and did as well as I did. We had to do this thing where we had to jump on these bells, suspended 35 feet over the water. You literally had three inches to jump like six feet and get your toes on this little three-inch, little tiny on, on, tiny lip, and he managed to do it. His, his political game is unbelievable. I mean, he's obviously one of the most, you know, convincing. He's calmed down over the years. He's calmed down a lot. But, I mean, it, he's still – it's like he's still – just as uh as dangerous as he's always been which is nobody most- fucks
0: with them no that's how you know it's like that nobody Girls. there's no like Girls new don't. person who just comes in and Girls be like i'm don't gonna take die- a run yeah. at ct no
2: never it's not like me it's like oh let's go after bananas everyone comes in that's like you know let's go after him it's like ct it's like nah we'll leave that guy alone i don't blame him um ct i'd have to say you know overall just based on you know the guy's body of work he drew the short straw in the last challenge he did the I didn't like no the pun partner. intended
0: the partners thing. It's just rough, man. It is. As soon as he got Veronica, I was like, oh man, I want CT in the show it's for like more gallows. than four
2: episodes. I know who's I, number two. Um, number two, I would have to go with uh, probably either. <clears throat> I'd say close to would be their uh, Darrell or Derek. Um, they both bring different things to the table, obviously, but they both play a very similar game, and they like to stay out of the drama and fly under the radar. But when push comes to shove, I mean, they're both those guys. And you were was, in the room, right? I was standing right there. I helped pull him off. We all were, we were three inches away from it when this went down. And it Brad was, was kind
0: of asking for it.
2: Big time. Yeah. Uh, he'll even say to this day, like he he threw the sorriest tie kick at the rail you've ever seen. He in was a pair hammered. Of, in a pair of dad socks, which was the best part. And dude, yeah, it was something that uh, I think he's to this day regrets. Well, especially because
0: it was videotaped by a cameraman.
2: It's something you'll never get away from. Yeah.
0: You don't want to be the... Drunk out of your mind going after Durrell no, is never a good plan. No,
2: the Golden Gloves boxer, dude. Yeah, no thanks.
0: Let's talk about Belvedere. Produced in one of the world's longest running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka, the world's finest all natural vodka crafted by a collective of master distillers. Belvedere is made with non GMO Polish rye, pure water, no additives, recognized for quality. Named the ISC, World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, 2017. It's unparalleled quality reminds me of a run that my favorite basketball player of all time, the legend Larry Bird, had in the 80s when he won the NBA MVP award three years in a row. 84, 85, 86. Also won two MVP final awards, 84, 86, and titles in those years as well. Weirdly, 87 was his best season. There you go. Great run. Bird and the Celtics of that era played a brand of basketball that was of the utmost quality, just like Belvedere Vodka. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today. Remember to always drink responsibly. Is there more sex or less sex than we
2: see on TV in this show? Um, Or right around the same? So here's what'll happen. With the Brad and Britney situation, say, on Vendettas. The two of them literally fucked more than two rabbits that were, like, you know, stuck in a cage together for, for a month. Like, it was... To the point where people were just like, all right, now this is just getting egregious. You know what I mean? So with something like that, they're going to show like the first or second time to hook up, but they're not going to show every single time. Yeah. This last season, Final Reckoning, there was a lot of hooking up going on, dude. It a seems lot, like it. A lot. And Kyle was responsible for about half of it. And that's what, well, that's what blows my mind with that guy. is like these girls knowing that it was like you were just with, you know, Faith last night. I mean, not that Ashley has has any semblance of, uh, you know, self-respect, but you'd think. Oh, come on. I will say this about Ashley. Good competitor. Good competitor, sort of. She threatens to quit all the time and does. But I will say Other this about Ashley. She's like Paula, where she doesn't apologize for who she is. She's unapologetically her. And I got to say, that's refreshing because a lot of these girls will do dumb shit, hook up, make bad decisions, wake up next day and be like, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Ashley's like, yeah, I did it. So what? And I think that's kind of a, you know. Did
0: Tony um, take it personally that he's kind of the Will Chamberlain of bad hookup decisions and then Kyle comes in and is hooking up <laughs> with everyone, including the camera crew? Like, what is Tony? Tony looks at that it must be like, wow. <laughs> mean, it's like, Will scored 100, then then somebody comes in and scores 150.
2: Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I mean. I, Kyle I, just I, walks around with a giant boner? He's fucking knocking over her cups all day. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> I mean, he literally is, you know, he, he's an absolute savage human being. I'm unapologetic also, about it. Totally unapologetic. Enjoys having, again, enjoys, enjoys right. having sex. But you know what's funny is, and this, I've heard this from all of the UK kids, Kaylee, Melissa, Kyle, Joss. It's like, they're like, you guys make such a big deal about hooking up on TV. In the UK- yeah. The shit that they get away with. Oh, yeah. The you want to talk brother, about all that stuff? Scanless dude? Yeah. No. Uh, X on the beach. I mean, yeah. they're literally going in and they're sleeping with three, four, five different people on the show. And it's like no one even blinks at it. Here, it's like with one person and it's front page news. I literally sit next to Angela on a bus and it's all anyone could talk about for a month. It's like, guys, we like made out. Like, let's let's give it a you know, let's give it a rest here. That's why I was so smart to bring in the UK people. It's for On what? the challenge, just, just, they just ratcheted it up,
0: man. Yeah, the emphasis on the
2: ratchet, yeah, yeah. They
0: they really <laughs> brought it to another level. Whole, well, you liked you liked you came in single to the last challenge last for the first two. time in a long time. Last two, yeah. yeah, yeah. I never liked when I always liked the unattached bananas. In the Thank challenge. you, man. I do too. It's just it's just more fun. It's less fun when you you basically are like in one of those. Richard Dreyfuss shark cages, and you— just, all the sharks are swimming around. And you can't get
2: out of the cage. It's a double-edged sword, and here's why: having someone, having being in a relationship, going on the challenge, it literally—and if you're faithful, which I was—it—it um, it, it completely removes a very messy, difficult part of the challenge, which is hooking up. Um, no, and also especially political,
0: political hookups, exactly
2: you don't know Basically, if somebody
0: likes you because they like you or they like you because they to I, I don't
2: really care i'm like use me abuse me just yeah you know, please <laughs> just I'm right here. get me an uber home um, <laughs> um with uh i don't i don't i don't mind that aspect it's more though if say i start hooking up with a girl and this kind of happened this season with angela um people then turn on her based on her hooking up with me and they kind of ostracize her and now it's kind of her job and my job to kind of keep an eye on the other one when it's not necessarily it kind of makes the game more difficult cuz now you're kind of forced to vouch for a person or protect a person that you otherwise wouldn't have to yeah however from a television standpoint i mean that wasn't that was kind of an uh, arrow in my quiver that was missing for a long time um Again, no pun intended. Arrow, arrow in the quiver. Uh, it was. It, where, where, you know, I had, so, so, which is why I kind of relied so heavily on the being controversial and stirring the pot and this and that, because that whole hookup aspect portion of Johnny Bananas wasn't available.
0: I love when you go third person.
2: <laughs> you like that? Yeah. I just had an adult body
0: experience. Yeah. Uh, so you, last year you were in like a whole weird love triangle. It was
2: even like a love, it was a love rectangle. Tony calls it a quadruple triangle,
0: but what's amazing is Tony's <clears throat> not involved in any triangles or rectangles. No, nah, Tony's listen, man. Tony, did he chemically castrate himself? What happened? Because um, so he was the horniest <clears throat> guy in the history of the challenge. <clears throat>
2: um, I think it was. It could. It's partially that. I think a couple kids, maybe l- losing a, losing a spleen. Yeah, I think. Um, I think the kids. I think Tony um, getting a, curbing his drinking. I think that that was a huge part of it. Where. Um, he now for the first time, and I've seen him like this really wants to be a better person and he wants to make better decisions. And I think he realizes I have two, two, three girls, including, uh, you know, Alyssa. In, in, in addition to Isla and uh, Harper that I need to look out for and I need to be a good role model for and me getting drunk on TV and making bad decisions. I think that's just an image that he didn't want anymore. And I think- It's an image I wanted. I, I get it. No, no for, for TV, I, it's amazing. I miss Drunk Tony. Me too, man. I love Drunk Tony. But the but, but the thing is, I also, it's like, care about the guy, you know, off off camera. And it's like, you don't want to see someone that you actually give a shit about making decisions that are going to affect their lives outside the show. It's like, with me- Whatever, dude. I, I, you know, I can be an idiot and do things. I don't have other human beings that are relying upon me, whereas he does. You know, what is I mean?
0: Leroy ever going to win the title? Is he just like one of those, one I mean, of those athletes, uh, dude? That just like goes his whole career. He's like Philip Rivers. You're
2: like, oh man, it would be nice to see him in a Super Bowl. It really would. Um, he. Listen, dude. The guy makes it to finals, man. You know what I mean? He makes it, and and I, I think it's just never happened. It's never happened. But then again, it's like you know, me and him have never. Well, actually, we were on you know his first season rivals. One, we were in a final together. But the I think Cubs won meant, the World Series. Leroy can it. win the challenge. I, I mean, he could do it. Look at the Browns. The Browns won a game this season. Yeah, so. the Browns won a game. Yeah, it's it, listen. All stranger things, things. The Eagles. Won Woods Bowl? just won a challenge. Uh, Tiger a Major. Woods came back, dude. So this might be the year for Leroy. Yeah. Well, he's out of this challenge, but the next one he'll be in, right? Possibly, we'll see. Is he I still know. your best friend, dude? Uh, are you kidding me? Best friend. We're more than we're more than friends, just slightly less than lovers. Is he still in Las Vegas? Yep. I was just with them last week, shooting a segment for First Look. Yeah. Uh, we raced uh, dune buggies in the sand. So I, I obviously, am, I'm trying. To, I'm going to try and get as many people. For, I want to do a crossover sort of thing where I'm going to try and get as many people that I like and care about from the challenge to shoot segments with me in first uh, for First Look. So yeah, last season we wrapped up a segment called Mr. Sandman on First Look where we profiled different sand sports. So one of them was sand sculpting in uh, Coney Island. Yeah. One of them was uh, desert survival. So I had to survive all night in the desert. Leroy was racing dune buggies. And then yesterday I was in a thing called Wasteland Weekend. I think I told you it's like Mad Max meets uh, Burning Man. Super crazy. So yeah. It's a whole different challenge I'm doing now.
0: I'll tell you what, Bill. What about Tej? Can Tiege. you get
2: Teach to come in and and somebody quits in front of him, and then TJ kills him with an arrow, or like, or, or, or yeah, or makes some, or makes no. You know what would be even better if they quit in front of him, then he, they're forced to jump off one of the massive jumps in his backyard in a bicycle <laughs> with no helmet into into a. Did pit he of, get hurt again recently? Yes. What happened, dude? Okay, this God. is but this is why I love TJ, man. This is why I love TJ. TJ had an accident. You know, years back that literally almost cost him his life. Yeah, he was in like a fucking medical induced coma. coma, right? He still like isn't his you know, he still has, you know, he's still, you know, regaining, you know, some some functions. But it's like this guy after that, if, if I had an accident that bad, I'd literally be in a padded room wearing a helmet at home, <clears throat> you know, every day. You know, I wouldn't even want to go outside to pick up the newspaper. TJ, on the other hand, is in the back it is in his backyard. 41 years old, still flying off these massive jumps. So, yeah, he he didn't stick his landing, um, cut up his knee pretty bad. And actually, the worst part of the injury was uh, he took the edge of the handlebars to his forehead. So, uh. it gashed his forehead open. Luckily, he didn't, you know, bang his head on the ground. Luckily, there was no, you know, uh, cognitive or, or, or brain damage. But it's like what I love about that guy is, dude, no matter how old that guy gets, no matter, you know, what he goes through, you can't stop the competitor in that guy. And he'll just always be out there competing and kicking ass, dude. I love and, him for it, man. And judging quitters. And judging quitters. But that's what you love about him. It's like, on the challenge, it's almost like there's, the, there's this saying, I think it was Mark Wahlberg actually said, it. he goes, I'll never take training advice from someone who's in worse shape than me. And it's like with TJ, it's almost like I would never listen to someone or, 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 or take advice from someone or take motivation from someone who- as a host or someone on the show, you know, that wouldn't be willing to do the same thing that I am or hasn't done the same thing. And it's almost like with TJ, he's done so much more death-defying shit than we have and more dangerous, more crazy shit. It's like, that's why it's like, more than anything, I almost feel like TJ in a way is like, I want to please my father. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. I want TJ to be impressed. When I when I do something and TJ's like, good job, daps me up, like keep going. Like, Great that,
0: challenge. You guys really competed out there.
2: That means more to me than like anything else, dude. So it's like, absolutely, man. I mean, coming from him, it, it, it carries a lot more weight than it does just coming from, you know. What's the aggression. PED situation on the challenge these days? I mean, dude, at this point, it should just be like, they should hand out syringes at the front door. You know it's what I mean? It, it's unbelievable. I mean, dude, over the last couple of seasons, not to name names, but they've literally, in front of us, confiscated. Please don't name names. They've literally confiscated, I mean, everything Stuff. you could imagine, dude. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because some of the guys now are just open about talking about it all day long. The well, cycles they go on. For a million bucks. When they're on, like, why when, when they're, they're off. You can see, though. I mean, if you watch, if you watch very close in the episodes, you'll notice the guys who day one come in and they look like, you know, an ice sculpture, and then two weeks later they look like a deflated balloon. I mean, that's <laughs> it's generally a pretty good idea of of, of uh, who's on the sauce. Wouldn't that, and wouldn't gonna, that hurt your challenge? Absolutely. Like you would get worse as it goes along, right? Here's the problem, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. Competitors, even guys who've been on the challenge for a long time, is it's not necessary the strength. The, the, the heavyweight strength, I'm going to man in the sand, beat you to the ground aspect is so, such a small part of the show. It's like one out of every
0: five challenges. Dude,
2: more than that. One out of every 10. The
0: one this week, they was like, people had to run on treadmills yep. going different ways. So and these guys the come
2: in and they're jacked. like they can't reach around to wipe their own ass and it's like oh yeah today you're going to be balancing on a on a a beam or running across a moving log or dangling from your balls and it's like it's not going to help you the dangling from the balls challenge was one of the the best ones ever bro and that's what i'm saying the guys that weighed more it was more painful for them yeah you want to be light on a challenge like that the less weight you have hanging from your balls the better yeah
0: um they always find a way to torture somebody's balls in the challenge
2: as difficult as the challenge has been and everything that i've accomplished it's like this first look is like the 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 challenge now for me has been doing what comes so naturally to you and that is being a host yeah having conversations Being a point guard being a point guard dude having conversations being interested and not interesting yeah um it's it's been really difficult for me and it's because on the on the challenge and on reality tv it's all about dominating conversations getting as many sound bites in as you can everything being a punchline You know, um, being a character, being a character, whereas on first look is completely different. They're like, listen, here's the the, the flow of the conversation we want. Here's the questions we want you to hit. Ask a question and let them talk as long as you want. And, you know, you don't have to, everything doesn't have to be a punchline. It's okay to be vulnerable and to open up and to be sensitive. We're on the challenge. The second you open up and you're vulnerable, man, you're you're dead. Um, And in addition to that, every shoot that I do for first look every day is something different. I go from the NFL to, you know, uh, to a haunted house in Miami. Yeah. To cheerleading, to wrangling iguanas in South Florida, um, to the South of France. I go from hanging out with, you know, guys who spend their lives literally catching iguanas on fishing poles to going to the south of France and sitting at the same table as the CEO of Emirates Airline, the CEO of Southern Wine and Spirits and the biggest wine producer in France and like the bougiest people on the planet. So it's like from day to day, I literally have to be like a chameleon and fit into so many different circumstances. And work Is it harder so different- or
0: less hard than being in the top bunk when Brad and Brittany are having sex <laughs> for the 330th time?
2: It's, <clears throat> it's difficult in a different way it's less
0: because I don't I think you sleep in the bunk beds just shaking. Um,
2: you get used to it, man. You get yeah. used to that. That's the thing. You get used to not sleeping on the challenge. You really do get used to not sleeping. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's even more difficult than the bed shaking. Usually I'm in a room with eight, nine, 10 dudes. Yeah. Snoring. You got guys, each mm. one of them. It's like a chorus, dude. I have I have to put in like earplugs, eye masks. Like, dude, I have to do like the, I look like a helicopter pilot. I got earplugs and earphones over that to try and sleep. Um, but Um, uh how many roommates are in the bed? It depends. So this last Could be like season, four. Last season we had two, four, six, eight, ten people in our bedroom, all guys. Oh my god! It's like Grand Central Station, you know. How many bathrooms? Uh, uh, the, in the house there was one, two, three bathrooms. Jesus! I know. So For yeah, like, you never get a couple People? I think I got one hot shower the entire thirty. One hot shower the entire time I was there. Are you retired from the challenge now? Absolutely not.
0: So you can do this first look show and do the challenge. So
2: NBC is nice enough to uh, work around the challenge schedule. So essentially, whenever I'm filming the challenge, they shut down. And as soon as I'm done, I mean, dude, I got back from Final Reckoning. I was home for two days. I got home on a Saturday. Monday, I was uh, in Minneapolis doing American Ninja Warrior. So and then after that, it was just on the road. I've literally since I've since May, since the end of May, I've been home for a total of about 12 days. I've been on the road filming. Every day for first look since then, pretty much.
0: Very um, important question. Karmically, I don't know if you win the challenge again ever because mm-hmm. of what you did. Mm-hmm. You it, haven't won since. Is it
2: karma though? See, and that's and I think it might that's, be karma. It, All I know is it might be. Uh, you it, won a lot of challenges. Yep.
0: You were the MJ of the challenge. Mm-hmm then you did the greatest move in challenge
2: history you backstabbed your partner and took her money now is that the only thing that you've seen change since then or, or, or are there other factors that maybe I'm just saying to you haven't well? won
0: since and as a <laughs> as a bananas fan I'm just worried that karmically you might have to atone you might have to atone with her on the show the road what was her name Sarah Sarah. what was her name again are you talking to, are you talking to her? She, she still hates yeah, you yeah she still hates me you took like $500,000 away from 275, her $275
2: 275 but who's counting um uh, two seven five is not a, not chump change. Nothing, nothing to poo poo about. After taxes, it's only one. It was great. Something. You had to do it. Had to. From a production standpoint, I had to. Like what? what like what do you want me to do? Not do the greatest movie so challenge she ne- history. She's
0: never coming on again. No,
2: no. She's I she's think that, done with the whole universe. I think that ended her. No, she still does her Botox Candy podcast. But other than that, um, is
0: know? that what it's called? Yep,
2: should be. So you guys haven't made up? <laughs> no. I, listen, man, she says what she says on social media. Sometimes I'm not even going to gratify with response. As far as I was concerned, listen, she took the first shot. I, I took the second shot. We're even, man. I mean, let's just leave it at that. But going back to the car, the, the, the karmetic, uh, aspect, winning six, winning number six, put me in a category where it went from. We don't necessarily like what this guy's done to this guy's never going to win again. I'm the only person that walks into a house when now Cara's kind of in the same boat and she gets where I'm coming from, where I walk in day one and it's me against the entire house. It's like being the New England Patriots, the New England Patriots, after an undefeated season, winning the Super Bowl, coming into next season where every team, you get their best shot. Yeah. And that's kind, of the, that's kind of where I'm at now is based on what I've accomplished, based on how good I am at the game, based on the amount of wins I've had and whatever, the, the, the notoriety I've gained, I come in every season. And everybody, if there's one thing they can agree on, it's let's get bananas the fuck out of here. And that's how it's been the last it's few seasons. Play. It's a smart play. But what I'm saying is, it's not. I don't believe in karma, dude. I like to believe that I like to, that I determine my own fate. Um, it's. I I think me not winning is more a product of what I've accomplished and the and 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 the fact that people, even my own friends. All right. Even people who I consider my friends don't want to see me win. Last season, me and Tony were like thicker than thieves, right? I yeah. consider this guy my best. He even stabs me. It's like if someone like Tony that I've literally like like looked out for as a brother, you know what I mean? And as in, in some ways, like, you know, as, as a younger brother and really like helped the guy through the game, did everything I could pretty much to help the guy through. He batted his boners like,
0: down with a bat battle so dude, he didn't have sex with somebody. Took him out
2: of sticky situations, you know what I mean? If someone like that is going to turn on me, it reminded me of
0: Scarface when uh, when Manny started sleeping with Tony's sister, yeah, and Tony found out, <clears throat> yeah, and it yeah. was like, really, Manny, yeah, you're gonna betray Tony? I know. That's how I felt about Tony and I, bananas. I, I mean, Leroy would have never done that. Never. I judge all challenged friendships by you and Leroy. Me and Leroy are you never. You never do it.
2: There's never there will never has been and never will be a friendship as as strong as mine and his, and that's on and off the screen, but. But, you know, going back to what I was saying was, you know, it's, it's, you know, I I show up and I have a harder hill to climb than anyone else ever has or ever will. I wouldn't change that for the world though. You know what I mean? It's not like I'd go back and be like, man, I wish I was less successful. So, so people didn't come at me every, it makes my, it makes, it makes my, the game harder for me, but it makes it that much more entertaining because it's like, these people are helping me out by talking about me ad nauseum. Yeah. By forming these alliances and every new guy wanted to take out bananas it's it's like I, i'm you know the most talked about guy in the house without even doing anything just by nature of me showing up so it, it's a tough it's a So war- how many
0: years what's the drought 3 years
2: uh three year drought now so it's been i mean dude i've let's see it was rivals i, I dude i lose i lose track of challenges it was rivals i think you were on in like rivals maybe it's three two years you were on like 2 been, years ago it's been it's been about four challenges you know so uh,
0: so Jordan has six, mm-hmm. Brady has five, yep. Kobe has five, mm-hmm. Shaq has four, um, Gretzky had five. Yep. Really, the one you're chasing now is, is Bill Russell. Seven. 11. Yeah. Bill Russell had 11. Okay. I'm trying to think who
2: had, not really anybody had seven. What about Roger Federer? I'm going for Roger Federer's number. What's he at, like 22 or something like that? Oh, the
0: majors? Yeah, that's tough one. <laughs> Maybe like Roger Federer at uh, Wimbledon or something. Because he had like six or seven Wimbledons. Okay. Wimbled-
2: Roger Fred- Federer at
0: Wimbledons. Um, you can't tell us how, how you did in this one. Uh,
2: I'll tell you what. I do a lot better than any other person on the planet would have done in my position. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, no, like I said, man, nobody has to deal with what I have to deal with, dude. Showing up and having every single person in the house every day. It's like every day I show up, if I don't show up and give my best- I had a challenge every day. I'm fucked. Whereas everyone else could come. It's like they're in this alliance. <clears throat> as long as I'm in the house, that means everybody else is safe, essentially. Because it's everyone's just focused on me. Yeah. And until I'm gone, that's how it's going to be. So and everyone's dude. It's it's just that's just the nature of the beast, you know. And all right, uh, just
0: win another challenge. Stop making excuses. I'm not making
2: excuses. So you, you just win one. You, you are making the excuses. What? Well. It's not. I'm just trying to make the I point think that you should it's call not Sarah karma. And apologize. You think that would make it all better? All right, you got to get her she, on your side. You she's, have her number. She's probably
0: like got some witchcraft shit going on. Against her mom.
2: Mo- Listen. Her mo- believe it or not, her mother is a wizard. Something's going. on. Her mom's a wizard in Costa Rica. She like her mom's like a like this like a witch, dude. So first, first look,
0: uh, launches on NBC
2: at uh, one o'clock a.m. It's on after SNL, so whenever yeah, one o two, one o three a.m. Different markets. Just so set it on your DVR. Set it on your DVR, unless you're a night owl like Bill over here. Who who? I'm not a night owl anymore. Yeah, he is. No, Bill Bill still sends now. me nudes at one a.m. on In a regular basis. Old.
0: And apologies to your lawyer who you wanted to call during the podcast So that, uh, I, I immediately banished.
2: Okay. So j- just so you know, my guy, Alex Spiro, yeah. um, is, he's a New England guy. just like, just like. great, he, but
0: you don't, you don't you just guys call called friends
2: on the podcast. He's not a friend. He's my attorney. And he wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to say anything that was going to – now that I'm on NBC, he's like, dude, I got to make sure you're not going to say anything that's going to jeopardize your future. Yeah. And
0: he just dude he just got the, done We have two small edits we're going to make. I'll tell you after what they are. He
2: got he just got done defending uh Julian Edelman in his PE case and he was on uh, Aaron Roger Aaron Hernandez's uh defense team. Um and I mean he's a New England guy. You guys are he, he's 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 a uh, few guys You ever get in any trouble? All right, you you gave him a shout out, but we're not calling him
0: on the podcast. Um, Where are you living now? LA or (laughs) Orange
2: County still? Orange County. I'm still waiting for you to let me move into the guest house, man. (laughs) I thought that was part. When you can't, well, dude, maybe it was the alcohol talk. When I came and gave the toast for Grantland, you're like, hey, honey, do you mind if bananas moves into my office in the back? And I think she was okay with it.
0: I don't remember that. You don't? No, I don't remember that. I do remember your toast, though. We got it on video. That was a great toast. That was one of the last parties.
2: I know, man. Well, no, it was the
0: last party I've been invited to. No, we haven't had one really we had one ringer party but you were away in the
2: challenge if anyone now now i don't have parties at my house city bar dude that was that was awesome scary times hanging out taking shots with jalen rose seth myers you know almost pushed me in the pool i mean that was that was that was a cool uh we was there an ice luge at that one no but there's gonna be one at my premiere party on saturday in manhattan if you're gonna be there oh there you go all right it's gonna be banana ice luge there
0: mr bananas congrats on everything thanks for coming on appreciate you having me man all right, thanks so much to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check them out at slash BS. Thanks to the ringer.com. Thanks to the Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks to KOC and Bananas. Thanks to Starbucks Double Shot. Starts with bold Starbucks coffee blended with milk for a smooth, creamy, delicious flavor. Enhanced with ginseng, guarana, and B vitamins. Makes you sharp. I could use one right now. It's only like 11 o'clock in the morning. I think I need more caffeine. Starbucks Double Shot, energy to do the things you actually do. Find it in your local convenience store. Hey, guess what? We have another podcast coming tomorrow. We're doing four this week. Just, we we're feeling it. So uh, stay tuned for that. Until then.